What's up, boxing fans? This is Sides of Boxing with your host, JJ Sermon. In this podcast, JJ gives an in-depth analysis of nearly every fight, from undercards to main events. Now, let's get into the ring. Welcome to Sides of Boxing with your host, JJ Sermon. On this episode, I'm going to get into all the important fights that happened this past weekend, including Demetrius Andre, Tevin Farmer versus Jojo Diaz, Jake Paul, Daniel Ramon versus MJ, as well as your Dennis Ugas. So let's get straight into it because we got a lot of fights to talk about. To start things off, I want to get into some notable mentions. And for those of you who are new to this podcast, notable mentions are just boxers who are on the radar and they aren't at the top top but they're on their way to the top and the first person i want to talk about was ote jones the third he improved his record to five and no with two ko's now and he beat one santiago and this was for the lightweight division and it was a six round fight and he did a very good job getting him out of there very early so Definitely want to point him out. Another person, Alexis Espino, he improved his record to 5-0 with four KOs because he beat Vinton because, and this was for the super middleweight division. It was a six-round fight. Alexis is a very good fighter in which he, he knew how to throw that check left hook, and he was throwing that bad boy, and it was connecting, and he knocked him out of that. And he's a very good fighter. He keeps that guard up, and he does a very good job in the ring. Wanted to point him out. Also, Austin Ammo Williams. He improved his record to 5-0, and I think he has four KOs now because I think that was a KO that he got, and he beat uh, Donald Sanchez. This was in the middleweight division, and this was another six-round fight, and Austin did uh, a very good job just walking his opponent down and eventually ending it towards the later of uh, the six-round fight and did a fantastic job getting him out of there when uh, the time was needed because he didn't rush it when he could have got it in the beginning. So definitely wanted to point him out as well as uh, Ramir Alexis Angulo who beat Anthony Sims Jr. And it could have been considered an upset. This was a huge fight. He improved his record to 26-1 uh, and one between two KOs. And this is for the super middleweight division. It was a 10-round fight. And Anthony Sims Jr., I believe, was coming in as a favorite. And he ended up getting upset because he was undefeated and now he has his first loss of his pro career. Uh, the reason why he lost is because he didn't throw enough punches. He was just standing on the outside for way too long and not getting in and throwing punches to uh, win it over with the judges. And and uh, Angulo just started to, to be more aggressive. And he was aggressive the whole fight, walking him down, just being the 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 guy that was controlling the ring and eventually that's how he got the win. So now he, like I said, he's 26 and one wanted to definitely point him out because he's going to continue to grow in the super middleweight division. Another fight that I did want to talk about was Daniel Ramon versus MJ. I call him MJ because I don't know how to pronounce his name as well, but Daniel Ramon was 27, two and one with 10 KOs in his campaign, and MJ was 7-0 with 6 KOs in his campaign. And this was for the junior featherweight division. It was a 12-round fight. It was a title fight. And it was for the WBA Super as well as the IBF uh, junior featherweight titles. So he, this was a kind of like a unification um, bout in which Daniel Ramon had two of the belts and MJ was trying to take those belts and he did 
and he improved his record to 8-0. And this was a huge, great fight, and I was very entertained. Big ups to MJ. If you don't know how to say his name, uh, Madarjan Alakum Dalif, that's the best way I'm going to do it. Y'all, the, some of these names are difficult to get, but I try my best. But I just call him MJ. So he did a fantastic job. Now, another fight that I wanted to get into was the Jake Paul versus Gibb fight. I'm just going to call him Gibb because that's all I need to really mention about this guy. This was for the cruiserweight uh, division. It was a six-round fight, and Jake Paul destroyed him in the first round. It's like three KOs, like knockdowns, and it was just over with. Complete obliteration. Put him, put him back to what he does best, which is YouTube. Do not come in the ring and try to box, and you over here squatting like you playing like Super Mario or something, man. Come on, man. You got to do better than that. And your defense was trash. I just got to point that out. But who I want to give props to is Jake Paul. Jake Paul, you did your thing, boy. And I'm looking forward to you against KSI. I'm not going to tell y'all who I think going to win out of those two, but I'm definitely proud of Jake Paul for redeeming the Paul name because Logan Paul has been taking L's for like the last two years, but Jake Paul definitely proved a lot of people wrong, and he is definitely going to try to avenge that loss that his brother took from KSI. So that's going to be a huge, huge, huge fight because this fight was already trending number one on YouTube the day after. So Imagine what Jake Paul and KSI are going to do based on those two performances that they had. It's only going to build up to a huge fight, and it's definitely going to bring more people to boxing, which I'm happy about. So definitely wanted to point him out because he did his thing. Jake Paul, congrats. Looking forward to your next fight. Another notable mention, because it's a lot, like I said, it was a lot of fights this, this weekend, was the Michael Rivera fight. This was on the Saturday night card. And he was, he improved his record to 18 and 0. And he has 12 KOs. And he beat Fidel uh, Mondanio Jr. And this is for the lightweight division. It's a 10 round fight. Miguel Rivera, I want to say he's 21 years old. And he's a very good fighter. Very, very good fighter. And I look forward to what he does. Just like him and Chris Cobra, I look forward to what they do in his division because they're coming. And there's nothing pretty much anybody can do about it. They're, they're going to get some title shots soon. So. Definitely wanted to point him out as well as, uh, oh, one of the fights that I wanted to mention was uh, Raymond Gardado and versus Clay uh, Collier. This fight was so crazy, so crazy. And it only lasted two rounds, but it was so crazy. So Raymond was a fighter who came into the fight with 5-0, and oh, uh, fourth KOs, very good prospect. And he fought Clay, who came into this fight with five wins, two losses, and three draws, one KO in the middleweight division. This is a six-round fight. And this was supposedly Clay's last fight in boxing. But he ended up, after this performance, he said he ended up staying. He's gonna extend that. One of the what, what happened in this fight, let me just let me just get straight into it. First round came. They came in here swinging like they was first graders who was really mad. You know when first graders get really mad and they start crying, they're like, move. And they just be throwing hooks and haymakers all all the whole time. That's how they were. They were just throwing. They just came into the ring, just launch. Left and right, light, left hook, right hook, left hook, right hook. Did not want to play no defense. I was like, man, it's a six-round fight. I'm like, why y'all throwing all these hands? Y'all need to do that in the sixth round. Establish some range. Try to fill out your opponent. But, no, they came in this thing slugging, slugging. 
and oh, Raymond got caught, and he went down. He went down again. He went out like two times in the first round. Then he, uh, Clay got too comfortable and tried to walk him down to finish it. Then he got caught. He went down. I was like, oh, Lord, this fight about to be crazy. So then when he got back up, uh, Raymond ended up getting on him uh, slightly, but he didn't really do much. And then Clay came back and was beating the mess out of him until the end of the first round. He barely made it out the end of the first round. The ref, the ref was leaning so much towards calling that fight off. So second round came, Clay said, I'm done with this. So Raymond defense was his biggest problem because he was throwing so many shots with no defense. His hands was down the whole two rounds. And I was like, is he going to put this guard up? It wasn't like he was tired. So I'm like, why are you throwing so many shots with your hand down? But like I said, it was fighting like there was some first graders just mad and didn't care about nothing but just throwing hands. And that's what he did. He got caught again. Clay, Clay caught him again. And eventually they had to stop the fight because the ref had to stop it because Homeboy was taking a brutal beat down. And that was it, man. I was so surprised because I was like, dang, I ain't never see a fight so fast ended. But also... So many knockdowns so quickly and just people just throwing with no regard. Like boxing is, is, is a game of skills, man. But this was a game of power. Whoever could throw the stronger hits was winning this fight because no defense was really played in this fight, which made it to an entertaining fight. I mean, that's probably the most entertaining fight of the night because it was just so great. So that's that should be all the notable mention fights that I've talked about. And I just really enjoyed all of them. And I want to make sure I pointed out every single fighter that fought that was on the radar uh, this past weekend. So now I want to get into one of the main fights that happened this past weekend. The first one I want to just knock out is the, your Dennis Ugas fight versus Mike Dallas Jr. Your Dennis Ugas came into this fight with 24 wins, 4 losses, and 11 KOs in his campaign versus Mike Dallas Jr., who came into the fight with 23 wins, 3 losses, and 2 draws. This, and he has 11 KOs in, in his campaign, and this was for the welterweight division. It was a 12-round fight, and this was the main event fight on Saturday night. This fight was a fight in which your Dennis Ugas just did what he needed to do, stay consistent after his defeat to Sean Porter. He lost to Sean Porter maybe two fights ago with a split decision loss, which I felt like he won, but nonetheless, they gave it to Sean Porter. And Udonis Ugas in this fight just walked his man down, and he literally just got him on the ropes every now and then, did his combinations. He was a stronger, more powerful fighter. Mike Dallas Jr. did move around and tried to throw some nice combinations, but it was always overcome by Udonis Ugas' power when he would throw his counters back or when he would walk him down and get him to the ropes and when he would throw nice combinations on his end. It was always more polished and more slick than Mike Dallas. And I know the judges saw that as well. So he did exactly what he needed to do, and he ended up getting the RTD. And for those of you who are new to boxing, RTD pretty much means a corner stoppage. So that means his corner through the white the white towel pretty much telling them like no more he don't need to fight anymore and that's what pretty much got him that and that was the end of the fight right there so that happened like later in the rounds i want to say it was like round seven is when it ended and that that's all she wrote because you done this ugas won once again i'm really like i really 
I'm big a fan of Udonis Ugas. I think he is somebody who could sneak up and win a belt in the welterweight division no matter who he fights. If he can fight Terrence Crawford, if he can fight uh, Earl Spence, if he can fight Manny Pacquiao, anybody that has a belt, he can definitely put uh, a run for anybody's money, man, because he is a scary fighter, and he can upset any of those champions. Next, I want to get into another big fight that happened this past weekend, which is the most anticipated fight that I was looking for this past weekend, was the Tevin Farmer versus Joseph Diaz Jr. fight. Tevin Farmer came into this fight with 30 wins, four losses, and one draw with six KOs, and he hasn't lost in eight years. And Joseph Diaz Jr. came into this fight, they also call him JoJo, came into this fight with 30 wins, one loss, and 15 KOs. And this was for the junior lightweight division. It was a 12-round fight, and this was for Tevin Farmer's IBF junior lightweight title. This was a huge fight. Definitely one of the most anticipated fights early in the 2020 year, and it lived up to it. When the fight started, Tevin Farmer looked like a fighter that was trying to keep the distance, looking really good when he did. And then after the first round, he had an in hand in a hand injury in which he told his corner that like his hand hurt. And then second round came Joseph Diaz got an injury. He got a cut right over his uh, eye. I'm going to say it was his left eye. He got a cut, and it was big. And that affected the fight a little bit, but not that much because they cut, man. Joseph Diaz cut, man, was, should get an A-plus. He should get a raise. He should get a bonus. Whatever check he got that he's supposed to be receiving, add an extra 10% to that because homeboy did his job. He made sure Joseph Diaz didn't have any issues with that cut, and it didn't affect him for the rest of that fight. So shout out, shout out to the cut man because you did your job perfectly, perfectly. And so uh, after the second round, uh, Joseph Diaz just just started to throw nice combinations, started to get in the inside. Most of this fight, honestly, was in the inside, which is very surprising because Tevin Farmer is not. He can bang in the inside, but Tevin Farmer is a very good defensive fighter and a very good offensive fighter as well in which he keeps a distance and he comes in when he wants to and he throws nice combinations and he can get right back out when he wants to. Now, every now and then, like against Jono Caro, he threw – some he stayed in the pocket a lot and was just banging with him, but that's not his style, and that's what led to a close fight against John O'Carroll. But for this fight, Tevin Farmer decided to just be in the pocket and try to out bully Joseph Diaz, which didn't work because Joseph Diaz was the guy that was uh bullying Tevin Farmer in a sense because he couldn't really push Jojo Diaz. Tevin Farmer couldn't push Jojo Diaz back as much as he probably expected him to, or hurt him as much as he thought he was going to. And Jojo Diaz just came, kept coming forward, kept coming forward, kept sending that pocket and was throwing more combinations, was hitting Tevin Farmer with some great hooks, uppercuts, just all the type of combinations you could think of. And it was very surprising. Also, one thing I didn't see coming was Joseph Diaz with his 
counters. He did a very good job countering Tevin Farmer, which I was surprised because based on his last fight, uh, Joseph Diaz did not counter well against the Southpaw. And so I was like, maybe it's going to be an issue in this fight in which Tevin was going to take over because Tevin is a very good counter puncher. But it was the complete opposite. Joseph Diaz was countering Tevin a lot. And I want to say it was mainly because they were so close. They wasn't it wasn't a distance fight. It was an up-close fight, and it just kept, and it, and it led to jo- Joseph Diaz taking advantage of that because that's his game. That's his specialty is being on the inside, and he took advantage of it. One thing that was weird was Tevin Farmer kept looking up to the screen, like trying to take for the time, and he just looked like he wasn't himself in this fight. And this is and this was something that everyone pointed out. Lou DiBella, his promoter, pointed it out and even took him to the hospital after the fight because it was just he was very, very off in this fight. And he never fought this slow. He never threw like uh with so many looping shots that were just hitting air. It was just a very odd fight for Tevin Farmer for all the whole twelve rounds. And once the twelve round ended uh, Joseph Diaz got a unanimous decision win. So that means he is now the new IBF uh, junior lightweight champion. And this is such a huge deal, man. So now uh, Tevin Farmer could do a rematch clause. I would like him to do it only if he's going to be back to his normal like stance, like normal mental uh, mindset, and, like normal skills. Then I say yes, because if he fights the fight that we all expected Tevin Farmer to fight, it can lead to a very entertaining fight. But... Nonetheless, Joseph Diaz won, and congrats to him. So now Joseph Diaz can enjoy and uh, and now defend his title because that's all he's going to be doing for like at least the next few fights is defend his title and keep it. So now the last fight that I want to talk about is the Demetrius Andre fight versus Luke Keeler. Demetrius Andre came into this fight with 28 wins, zero losses, and 17 KOs. And he, he so that means he was undefeated in his campaign versus Luke Keeler, who came into this fight with 17 wins, two losses, and one draw with five KOs. And this is for the middleweight division. It was a 12-round fight. And this fight was exciting for the beginning and pretty dull for most of it. And then it got exciting again towards like round nine so Demetrius Andre for those of you who do not know he is the WBO middleweight champion so he holds one belt and he in the so this was a title fight and he's a very big deal a lot of people avoid him because he's a southpaw and he's very good at it and he's fought a lot of people in the amateurs and just people he got a very slick style that people just are nervous to fight about because they don't want to take an L because he will he can embarrass you for 12 rounds straight. Similar to how Tevin Farmer can do opponents, Demetrius Andre is much bigger, much and he he can move a little bit faster and he does a very good job with his defense. So in this fight, as soon as the fight started, I mean the first punch knocked Luke Keller down and it was a knockdown. I was like, dang. I was like, that was quick. I was quick. I didn't expect that to happen. Demetrius Andre got the knockdown in the first round. Then he got another knockdown. I want to say it was in round two. And this one was lethal. I mean, it was lethal. He knocked him with that left hook. He was leaning at that left hook the whole night. And he was he was so determined to knock Conway out, uh, Luke Keller out so bad, man. And it was it was so funny because he 
he was trying so hard, man. It was like he he obviously obviously listened to what everybody was saying about him want to go twelve rounds and not knocking people out. So he was like, "Look, man, I'm just gonna give it everything I got, get hit with some punches, but I'm gonna knock this man out." And he hit him with another vicious shot. I mean, put him put him on the ropes, like let him fall on the ropes, and then homeboy Luke Keller, give him respect because he got up both times. And t- made the right decisions, waited to the 10 count so he can get his breath. And he just kept boxing. He kept boxing. Eventually, Demetrius Andre kept throwing them wild, loopy shots. And he was missing. And Luke Keller just stayed in the fight. So from like rounds three to about round nine, Luke Keller was doing a, a pretty uh, decent job just staying in there, not getting hit with a lot of powerful shots, and was doing a good job moving around the ring. And was throwing some nice combinations back. But mainly, Demetrius Andre was winning most of those rounds. And then when round nine came, he caught him again uh, with that. I want to say it was that left hook again. And then eventually put him out of there. Put him out of there. So he got another win. He ended up uh, retaining his WBO title. And now, hopefully, hopefully, please, can we get him fighting Jamal Charlo, him fighting somebody that Billy Joe Saunders, somebody who is a well-known uh, name in the boxing uh, community that's in similar weight classes, please, because he has been fighting decent fighters for the longest, and everybody is fed up. We ready to see him fight a better opponent, and hopefully we get it in 2020 because we need it because we he's such a good fighter, and he needs the recognition that he's not getting. So hopefully it happens in the summer or the fall of 2020, and that is it for the fights. And this concludes this episode of Sides of Boxing. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening all the way to the end. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a positive rating. And tell a friend to tell a friend of their boxing fans because I'm going to continue to give out great content each and every week. The next fight I'm looking forward to is the Kell Brook fight as well as with Gary Russell Jr. So stay tuned to that and God bless.